back to the Early American Brass Band Podcast. My name is Stephen Canastracy, and I'm joined always by Chris Troiano. Hello. And today we have an album review for you. The album we're reviewing is titled Dear Mother, I've Come Home to Die, Quick Step, and Other Favorites of the Band of the 19th Virginia Heavy Artillery Battalion. It's a mouthful title, uh, but it's a good album. It's performed by the Crestmark Military Brass Band. came out in 2003. Uh, we believe, according to the liner notes here. And uh, we might have featured this before in Randy Cable's episode, uh, but we decided to do a separate standalone um, album review on it because it's good and we like it. Um, and so we'll, we'll talk a little bit in a second about uh, kind of how it came to be. But um, but yeah, so that's, that's what we're doing today. <laughs> yeah. So the Crestmark Military Brass Band was formed in 1990 and is based out of Logan, Utah. Uh, the band, when it recorded this album, went by the Crestmark Military Brass Band, named after the production company that the CD uh, was made through, Crestmark Productions. But it, it is a continuing brass band. They still perform, and now they go by the title or the name, the 7th Infantry Regimental Brass Band, still based out of the Logan, Utah area. And yeah, this is a, a really well-produced album. The playing on it is really top-notch. And I'm excited to uh, discuss a little bit of it today. Yeah, and there are a number of people who were involved in this. So the the 19th Virginia Heavy Artillery Battalion, um, the band books from that band uh, are the only Virginia uh, Confederate band books to, to survive the Civil War. So that's kind of what's notable about the music on this album. And I mentioned at the top that Randy Cable, who we did a whole episode with, um, was the one who kind of reconstructed parts of these books. I think the 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 bass part, the B flat bass part, uh, or E flat bass, sorry, was missing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in the liner notes they they mentioned that he also added a second B flat cornet part along the way uh, yeah, in some they, parts. Yeah, it was, it was different things kind of throughout. I think some of them also were missing an alto part. So all, all these parts, uh, band books are housed in the National Civil War Museum, which at the time of this recording, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Stephen, was the Museum of the Confederacy uh, yes. down in Richmond, I believe. Mm-hmm. Seems like a good place to have a museum titled that. Uh, <laughs> yes. So, so yeah, the, these books are currently housed in the Museum of the Civil War, the National Civil War Museum, sorry. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, Randy did a great job bringing this music to life uh, in a modern edition form and was able to have it recorded along with uh, a bunch of other people that made, helped make this project possible. Yeah, and the conductor uh, is Glenn Fifield on this. And um, he is he was raised in Idaho, so that's, I think, kind of why the band is... Uh, he was raised in Idaho and then, you know, had a, had a career um, in some of the Army bands, and then he retired... Oh, the way they're in Utah, right? Yes. He, yeah. retired, he ended up teaching at, at Utah State, and he retired from there, and I guess stayed in Utah. So that's why the band is based out of Utah. So he's the conductor. And then also on the album, there's some narration. And the narration is done by Colonel Keith Gibson, um, who is, was, maybe currently is, still the executive director of museum programs for VMI, for the Virginia Military Institute. Um, he graduated from VMI and... Um, then went on to do some 
early American history studies at James Madison University and some museum studies at George Washington University. So he's, um, you know, well entrenched in this field of, um, you know, preserving history and researching history. Um, so all the narration you hear on the album is, is done by him. Um, yeah. And speaking of the album, then with the narration, Chris and I were both saying how we kind of like how the album is laid out where there's music broken up by narration. And that to me really kind of reminds me of how a lot of these concerts that these early American brass bands do tend to run, uh, where it's kind of a hybrid of entertainment and education. So with some narration, breaking up the tunes that they're playing and explaining more about them and more about the time. So from a, you know, from a zoomed out perspective, the, the structure of the album is really nice. Yeah, I think it's super helpful. I did notice uh, we can kind of kill two birds with one stone here. I would say that on the album, one of my favorite tracks is titled The Alabama. And that track, is, that selection, that piece is talking about the, the CSS Alabama. It was a naval ship for the Confederacy mm -hmm. that uh, did a bunch of runs over the Atlantic and was actually sunk uh, off the coast of France in a naval battle uh, between a U.S. ship. The wind blows off your rocky shore, boys set your sails all free, and soon our booming cannons roar shall ring out narration that's leading into that piece actually mentions that the the tune the alabama is the only song uh commemorating a civil war war vessel what i did find that that was actually incorrect there are uh, at least two other songs actually about the alabama itself the there's the song roll alabama roll which is kind of another sea shanty mm -hmm. uh which is like what the alabama is also that's uh they're both naval songs when the alabama's keel was laid roll alabama roll twas laid in the yard of jonathan laird oh roll alabama roll twas laid in the yard of jonathan laird roll alabama roll perhaps one that's a little bit more interesting one that i thought was super interesting was that the alabama during the 1860s would sometimes go and uh, set port down in south africa in cape town and the Alabama became a uh, kind of a celebrity along with its crew down in South Africa. And there's a piece, a song called Dar Kom Di Alibama, which is uh, a song written in the local language Afrikaans. And it's, you know, singing about this Confederate warship down uh, in South Africa. Thank you. 
there's at least two other songs. Maybe we can play some clips of those, insert those so that you guys can hear those. But uh, that being said, although that, that was just one example of me being able to find something that might be a little bit out of place with the narration, I agree that I really did love uh, this educational kind of format of setting up the music, explaining uh, how it was performed, why it was performed, and, and all that good stuff. I thought it was awesome. Yeah. And speaking of the, the Alabama um, piece that you were just talking about, that also includes um, some singing, which um, I should have mentioned. But the, the there are a few numbers on this album that uh, have singers. And those singers are, I'm leafing through the liner notes there, <laughs> but who were they joined by? Now I can't find it. It could have been the band members, was it? Or no? Maybe, but I think... I remember Randy saying in his episode that the singers uh, were different hmm. or like not made up from the band. No. Yeah. Oh, they're just called the Crestmark Singers. Okay. Um, and I'm looking at the roster. Yeah, they're different from the people in the band. But gotcha. Um, yeah. So on the album, you hear, you know, some of the popular tunes like of the day, um, like Lorena. Uh, they actually the, they treat that one as a, a vocal solo. Um, but there are some other, you know, um, vocal quartet with brass band uh, tunes on this album, uh, which which is really neat to hear. And um, in the liner notes, they're saying that there wasn't really any documented evidence of like having a vocal quartet or like a vocal ensemble in addition to a brass band, uh, you know, like at any time during the Civil War. But it kind of would give you a little bit of a hint into probably what things sounded like in camp. Cause I would have a hard time imagining that if these brass bands, well, not if we know that they were playing popular music of the day. Um, so I'm sure that soldiers were, you know, more often than not singing along when they're in the camp. Yeah. Um, definitely. yeah. So that, that's also neat to hear. So there, there's a lot of good little, not like twists, but just good little extra details. Yeah. And, and the album features on its cover, uh, a unique piece of artwork of an over-the-shoulder instrument, but that is a little bit misleading. This album is recorded all on modern instruments. Um, the the playing and the response and intonation of the instruments is all stellar. It can be compared probably closely to the Empire Brass CD uh, in terms of the modern instruments being performed and the quality of the playing. Uh, it, it would be interesting to hear a lot of this music on period instruments since this is one of the few albums that that has been able to capture the music from these particular books. Um, but as Stephen was saying also, um, the band books of the 19th Virginia Heavy Artillery Band has a bunch of selections in it that would have been played by other bands in the South and in the North. Mm -hmm. uh, in Randy's edition of this music which is available through us you can send us an email and we can send you uh much of this music free of charge uh he lists all the other pieces that are in the band books that he didn't do editions of uh, but mm -hmm. they are in the book so those band books also have hail columbia home sweet home uh what a red white and blue the slumber polka uh washington artillery quick step uh Dixie is in there, but yeah, there's a lot of music in here that would have been played by both bands 
so or by both sides so mm-hmm. very interesting there and while we're talking about the music yes uh randy's episode went into a bunch of this stuff also so feel free to go back and listen to randy's episode earlier in the show's history but the cool thing about the addition that he made of this music is that he has it in uh what what is it roughly quintet format yeah. but but then he also created substitute parts uh unlike one of Randy's other arranging projects the first B flat part isn't transposed in a way that it makes it easier on the chop so that will sit relatively high mm-hmm. in the the B flat cornet's range since it's playing the E flat parts on B flat cornet but it does make the uh the music very accessible to other ensembles uh, that may not have access to an E-flat cornet. So all great stuff. Like I said, you can email us at eabb.podcast at gmail.com. We'd be happy to share with you uh, Randy's arrangements of much of the music that's on this album. Yeah, definitely. And it's nice that he kind of makes them uh, a little more friendly to a wider you know, group of people who might perform and gives you some options there with those substitute parts. And I know that we've used some of those substitute parts uh, in the band at Mason, uh, particularly in the early days when we were um, doing most things on either modern horns or a mix of one or two period horns and mostly modern horns. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the only thing, the only other thing that I was going to mention was that um, the, with the exception of two pieces, everything on here is a quick step. Um, so that the only two that aren't are um, where to go fairy waltz, which is a waltz as you might imagine, (laughs) and the Alabama, the tune that Chris was mentioning earlier, that's uh, more of a sea shanty than a quick step, but everything else is. And there are some, there are two quick steps uh, that were in the the books of the 19th um, Virginia Heavy Artillery that uh, were unnamed. So like in the, in the back half of the album, you have two tracks that are unnamed quick step number eight and unnamed quick step number 14. a little I think, interesting tidbit there. Steven, do you have a favorite track on this album? I do. It's track number 20. It's the Mockingbird quick step. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a that's a nice tune, and I always chuckle uh, when I play it or hear it because I knew it first as the um, like intro credit music to the Three Stooges. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> that's one of my that's one of the the pieces that I enjoy playing the most. At, in the from the band books at Mason because it has a fun uh, active baritone part that usually yeah. I get to play but that that's good that's always a, a nice one to hear and that was a popular tune mm-hmm. um, back then so that's a good one <laughs>
other thing about this album that I like to reference in some of my own spiels, and I mentioned it in my lecture recital and my dissertation and stuff, is the title track of this album, Dear Mother, I've Come Home to Die, Quick Step. Uh, Dear Mother, I've Come Home to Die is a uh, ballad, essentially. You know, it's a, it's a slow tune about uh, grieving and loss and fear, and uh, it was very popular at the time. And it being a popular song, it was able to be quick stepified <laughs> by a brass <laughs> band, uh, which was not uncommon at the time, turning other popular songs that may not have been conducive to a quick step into a quick step. So I like, uh, and they, and uh, Colonel Gibson gives an introduction about it as well uh, mm-hmm. on the track. So it's uh, really enjoyable, especially being able to hear the two versions side by side and hearing how it was quick stepified <laughs> yeah. and uh, getting to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. album is available for sale uh if you go on our website eabbpodcast.com go to the resources tab and you go to the discography sub tab you can scroll down to the crestmark military band and see their album listed and there is a purchase link that will bring you uh to one of the uh, cheapest options that we can find for the album this one's not super uh readily available it's one of the rarer cds to get a hold of so you can get it on Amazon for about thirty dollars. Um, can't recommend it enough. Like we said, it is performed on modern instruments, but the repertoire is unique. And with the educational aspect from Colonel Keith Gibson, it is uh, well worth a listen or two or dozens. Highly recommended. Yeah, yeah. So 
Yeah, I think that about does it. Uh, Chris already mentioned our website and our email address, but just to mention them again, uh, it's www.eabbpodcast.com. Email address is eabb.podcast at gmail.com if you want to get in touch with us. Uh, And you can also give us a follow on all of our social media platforms and YouTube. And if you are interested in supporting the show, we have a Patreon uh, page and a Teespring store, so you can go check that out as well. But uh, yeah. Here's a quick thank you to Hal Briggs, who was the first E-flat cornet player on this album. Uh, he and I communicated a little bit, and was uh, Hal was able to provide us with some context for this recording session and this album. So thank you, Hal, and thank you to everybody for listening. We'll see you in the next album review. See you then.